0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That portion of God's word for our encouragement on this second Sunday in the season of Lent is taken from our Gospel reading. I'd like to read just a couple of verses from Matthew chapter 16. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, that he must be killed and the third day be raised to life. Also, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross, And follow me. This is God's word. Cross examination. Do you have a cross to bear? Maybe a better question that we might come up with is, do I have to bear a cross? And if the answer is yes, we quickly go to, why that cross? Why now? Why me? Hopefully, as we listen today to Jesus' teaching, we'll have some answers for those questions and others. As we are taught by Jesus, as Jesus taught his 12 disciples, cross-examination. Do you have a cross to bear? We hear that the cross is essential stated clearly by Jesus. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples. Jesus is explaining. The word there really means uh, teaching, or teaching by giving instructions. The twelve disciples had just finished the third year of the seminary training. They're just about to finish. Soon would come their vicar year, when they'd be going out alone without Jesus. Last semester, he had been teaching a much larger class. Oh, in that, in that larger group of people were wet-behind-the-ear freshmen, and some of those postgraduates who thought they knew everything anyway. There were followers, and there were, as today, protesters and those he was teaching. At the time of our reading, Jesus began teaching only those special 12 disciples and and a few other very dedicated followers. Why? Well, for two and a half years, he had been teaching these men, and they still didn't get it. The time was short. Time to speak Clearly. So he said that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Have you ever tried to teach some very capable people a very simple thing, maybe just a simple task, and no matter how many times you'd go over the instructions, no matter how many different ways that you demonstrate it, they just didn't get it. Or at least they acted like they they didn't get it. I'd give up. Jesus didn't. The teaching? Simply this. I have a huge cross to bear, Jesus said. And I'll soon be carrying that cross. And that cross will include... Tremendous suffering, and some of that's going to come from the hands of men you know very well. And That suffering is going to get so, so horrific that I'm going to die, but I'll come alive again. Now, to you and to me who know how the story ends up, we say and think about these men, what is with you guys, huh? Maybe we shake our heads or, or roll our eyes. You know, if we would have been there, we would have got it. Especially some of you ladies you know, who are so good at telling us leaders in the church uh, a few things. Right? If you would have been there with us, of course we would have got it. Not so fast. I don't think so. We would not have figured it out any more than these disciples did at that time. And I believe we probably would have joined in with Peter as he attempts to stop Jesus. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Come on now, at least least join me in, in going along with this thought process here. Someone that you know about, we know about, and care about deeply is facing troubles. I mean, not just little troubles, big troubles, serious troubles. And you can see that. And you can see what those troubles are going to be, intense pain. And a certainty of possible death. Wouldn't caring people like you and me speak up? Say something? You know, something like, never, never. Never, as far as I'm concerned, and if I have anything to do with it, this will never happen to you. It's the caring thing to do. The right thing to do. Wrong. Not in this case. Jesus says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in, in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Take note that Jesus is talking to Peter. Yeah, not not to uh, Judas the traitor, not to Pilate the coward, not to Caiaphas the crafty one, but to Peter the rock. The one in, to whom a few verses ahead of this reading he prays for his great statement of faith. So I call him Satan. Because Peter was clearly speaking Satan talk, the same language that Satan used in tempting Jesus in the wilderness. You know, to take the easy way out, avoid that cross of suffering. If Jesus had listened to Satan then, or to Peter here, we all would be facing a cross of suffering in eternity forever. Dear friends, we need to watch our language too. We, like Peter, are very capable of speaking Satan talk. We need to realize that Satan is alive and well and can speak through any one of us. Listen to your words. Especially in difficult and stressful situations, listen to how you talk. Listen to the message that you are sharing with others. I imagine Peter had the best of motives in mind but spoke Satan's words from his mouth. Don't make little of sin, ours or others. And don't make little of the cross that Jesus carried, and not just the wooden one, and not just the persecution that was laid upon him by evil and wicked men take heed to the punishment that his very own father placed on him. It was immense. It was eternal. And it was suffered entirely. Peter's Satan-like words were paid for. And so are yours and mine. Judas's cowardly betrayal was paid for. And so are yours and mine. And because of that, great earthly and eternal blessings are ours today. As were Jesus' disciples who are learning and hearing these words from Jesus' mouth. Jesus did what had to be done so we could enjoy the wonderful good news of forgiveness, the promise and the empowerment to live a God-pleasing life and heaven eternally. But obviously we're not in heaven yet. And Jesus is still not done teaching us any more than he was done teaching his disciples. Cross-examination? Do we have a cross to bear? Jesus did. Thankfully, he bore that cross. And Jesus wanted those who would follow him to know that a cross is inevitable for those connected to him. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Would you like to follow Jesus through this life all the way to eternity? Well, of course. Absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Well, then, you... Absolutely, of course, without a shadow of a doubt people. And Jesus says, "You're going to have a cross to carry. Take up that cross and follow me." See, it is just as true today as it was 2,000 years ago. And Jesus wanted that to be known, so that's the, the reason He said it in this very way. Listen again to what he said. If anyone, he didn't say, oh, if you 12. Those other first generation believers, if you guys, you know, that's going to be tough for you. No, no. He says, if anyone, and we're included in that anyone, would come after me all the way to heaven, expect hardships and troubles. Not just because you live in a world full of sin, or live in a body that still has that sinful nature, because Satan hates you like he hated Jesus. Now, Satan lost the battle with Christ, but he still still thinks he has a chance with you and with me. He still thinks he might get us. So if he can cause us to be persecuted, put down, made fun of, Laughed at, overlooked for a job promotion, and on and on, because we are a Christian. And because we have made that known to the people around us, then he knows he has a chance. He has played this deadly game for thousands of years. Does he always win? Well, of course not. But he wins enough to keep playing. You heard our children's choir sing. They did a beautiful job. But even better than the beautiful job that they did were the words that they shared. I don't know any of us that are going to raise that. Eh, Lord, bring them crosses down. I'm excited about it. Do you think Jesus was excited about the cross that was laid on him in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, oh yeah, Lord, bring it on. No, right? He said, is there any other way? Three times, is there any other way that this cup of suffering can be taken away? The answer was obvious. No, there is no other way. So don't be surprised if you don't get excited about this message about saying, pick up your cross, you know? And we all run out in the street and start looking for crosses, No one likes suffering, but obviously there's a reason for the suffering. We may not always know why you and I suffer. We may not be able to see that at the time, but if we're suffering as Christians, good is going to come out of that, and if we have any doubt, listen once again to the words that the children sang. They sang, "Oh, to see my name written in the wounds.'" For through your suffering I am free. Death is crushed to death. Life is mine to live. One through your selfless love. God works his good from the crosses that come to us. We are not going to save anybody by our suffering. We're not going to pay for anybody's sins because that's all done. Now, indeed, there are lots of troubles and hardships, you know, sickness and disease and surgeries that get us down. And sometimes we talk about those as being crosses we have to bear. That's not what Jesus is talking about here, okay? But we know that God is with us in those times, too, and those hard times, and he has the power to heal and to work good from that. But he's talking about what comes to you and me because You are a a Christian. You are a little Christ. And just like they picked on the big Christ, Satan's going to pick on the little ones. And God's going to work good out of that. For example, when we have talked to a friend out of love for Christ, who is living in an ongoing sin, and because of that, they shut you out. Don't bite you over anymore. You cease to exist, at least uh, according to them. Satan comes and says, See what happens when you call sin, sin? Don't do it. Or, when you try to talk to that person or a family member who's going through hard times, about... God's love for them. And the fact that that Jesus paid for that sin, so they're not being punished uh, by the things that they're suffering. You tell them about Jesus' love and compassion, and they say, get out of here with your God. It should be because of your God that I have all these problems. I don't want to hear about that anymore. Satan comes with his with his Satan talk and says, See what happens when you share God's love and forgiveness? Don't do it. And when it gets to the point in our society or our government where they clearly mock God and God-pleasing morals, then and talk about life as if it doesn't matter and don't consider the sanctity of life from the unborn to the aged, then many of us may have to stand up and carry a very similar cross as we clearly and respectfully stand up for Christ and Christ's values. The early Christians did that. Tradition says that of the 12 apostles, those selected and sent out by Christ Every one of them, except for Judas, who committed suicide, and John, died as martyrs for Christ. Now, we may not die for Christ, but Satan has other kinds of persecution, and so does the wicked world, when they find out who you are and who you stand for and who you're living for and who you're trusting in. you that wonderful God. But listen to what Jesus says about that, these kinds of things. He talks about a blessing in disguise. He says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whatever loses his life for me will find it. As you trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins because of the cross, Jesus is saying, so continue to trust in him as you carry the crosses that may come our way crosses this concept of losing our life, even when our life is still going on. Losing our life in Christ, investing it all in Him, giving it all up to Him. Listen to what the Matthew's People Bible Commentary says about this section. It says, Dear Christian, if your primary concern is to save this life, to get the most out of this life in pleasure and satisfaction and enjoyment, you will end up losing everything. But if you lose your life, for Jesus' sake, if you dedicate all to him, follow his guidance, and obey his instructions implicitly, you will live a meaningful and God-pleasing life in this world and enjoy all the blessings of everlasting life in heaven. That's not just a benefit for us, but what a benefit it is for those who watch us, those who we are our models to our children, our grandchildren, our friends, and those around us. Let's learn more about God's economic principles. Jesus says, What good is it? What good will it be for a man if he gained the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? The devil offered Jesus all the power and glory and praise of this world if he would just, just bow down, right? Just bow down to the devil once. Don't be surprised if Satan offers you that same thing. And when he does, don't be surprised if it's too good to be true. I mean, even if he could give you power and glory and, and honor and riches on this world, in this world for a, a few years or many years, how's that compare to spending an eternity with him in hell? See, your soul is so precious to God that he gave his very own son in exchange for you. Your soul is so precious to Jesus that he suffered an eternity in hell for you so you could have the blessings of heaven forever in his presence here, which truly is a reward of grace. For the Son of Man, Jesus said, is is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Scripture is clear again and again that we are not saved by our own works or anything that we do. We are saved by Christ's works and faith in him. But Jesus does say here and in many other places that our works are important. Our good works done in thankfulness to God are vital. As we carry the crosses that Jesus foretold, and we are saying to a sinful world, and to Satan himself, we know who wins, and that's God. We know who's victorious, and that's Christ. And because Christ wins, we will win also. And this cross will not defeat me. When we hold up to the best of our abilities, always with God's help, to the troubles and hardships that Everyone experiences one way or another, and we trust to God we trust to God and turn to Him, and those around us know that we're trusting in God. What a witness we're giving to them. And perhaps they too will want to get connected to that same God, that same Savior. And then, not only with their life here on this earth, we changed their life for eternity. The cross we carry. Be a blessing, a reward of grace, all because of Jesus Christ. So many times I and the other pastors have visited people like you in times of trouble and hardships, maybe in the hospital, maybe at at home, and left just amazed by the trust you have and the testimony of that faith that you give in the most difficult of times. Cross-examination, do you have a a cross to bear? Indeed, we do. And may our loving, powerful God give us the strength to carry that cross, to give him glory. And may he give us the wisdom and understanding to thank him for the privilege Amen.